Hi, my name is Kai Shea, your host of Budding Taste. This is a podcast dedicated to examining diet and nutrition of everyday people from a cultural, historical, and culinary perspective. If you're curious about how people think about healthy eating and the ways in which it fits into their everyday lives, then this is the podcast for you. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Budding Taste for a very new episode. I'm very excited to uh, interview our guest, Mike, who is in Chicago. He's a chef. Uh, And this interview really has a lot of interesting aspects to it in terms of him growing up, uh, learning how to eat and deal with his health, having children, and then his journey becoming a chef and his thoughts about food culture in America. It's all very interesting. There's a lot of interesting elements from uh, nutrition, food studies, uh, and also, you know, from his own personal perspective. So don't forget to check out the show notes after the episode, uh, which I will link in the description. Hope you are enjoying the summer. We are in August now and lots, lots to eat. Abundance of fruits and vegetables at the farmer's market. Um, right now I'm having corn, which is very sweet and amazing at the moment. Um, so you should go out and get some corn, especially if you're in the Northeast. Uh, okay. Without further ado, let's talk to Mike and see what he has to say. So, uh, today we have a guest, uh, my first guest that's outside of my local area, uh, Mike Charty, um, and I know him through friends, and he uh, has graciously uh, taken time out of his busy family life to uh, talk to us. So, hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's really rainy day here in New York. I don't know what it's like over there, but um, it's uh, you know it's 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 hot and humid now that we're in we're in July. Yep. Same here. We're in Chicago, um, and. It's been pretty pretty mellow this winter or this summer, but uh, we are now like into the into the deep into the heat. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, indeed. Um, so why don't we start off? Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Who are you? Um, I know you're in Chicago. All right. Um, so I am a chef here in Chicago. I work for oh, wow. um, I work for a place called Beatrix Market, which is like okay. a grab and go salad bar kind of hot bar kind of lunch place. Um, generally there's four locations. Uh, I'm running one of them and been doing that kind of stuff, like grab and go grocery store. Um, how would you describe like, uh, the cuisine of the type of food that you generally cook? Um, so our hot bar rotates like every week and it's sort of (laughs) themed based on real rough, uh, like categories like you know American comfort food, right? Um, like an Asian menu, which could be curries or you know basically anything from any any culture or country. I usually start by asking my guests, uh, "Tell us something you ate today." Yeah, it was great. We had um, my wife. I slept in. Uh, nice. <laughs> um, and my wife made sort of just like boxed buckwheat pancakes from her uh kids and i some bacon wow uh, there's some yogurt and she made some like watermelon juice for us cool like was that all from scratch not like no it was mostly just like opening 
Opening okay. containers and cooking. But now okay. that we have two two kids, we uh, we do our best to <laughs> cook from scratch, but uh, they mostly throw it away. So okay, I was I was just about to say, wow, you made pancakes and juice and all that stuff from scratch. <laughs> yeah, the, the watermelon juice was from scratch, but nice. uh, everything else. Nice. We weren't nice. we weren't curing pork bellies or anything. Nice, nice, nice. All right, now is this like a typical breakfast or is this um, more special because today is Sunday? I would say that's a pretty typical Sunday breakfast during the week. I don't, I wouldn't say I really eat breakfast. I have to be at work so early. It's like, I'm going to be there at six o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. So I just oh, get up wow. and go wow. yeah, and then uh, eat as soon as I feel like I can't uh, yeah. <laughs> eat as soon as I feel like I can't go anymore without eating. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. So tell us about, uh, your childhood, like where where were you born and where did you live and where do you um, spend, you know, most of your childhood? Um, yeah, so I'm uh, from Concord, Massachusetts, which okay. is like a small town outside of Boston. It's, we actually just went back there with the kids recently and nice. it was super nice. It's a, it's like a little bit of a farm community, but at the same time, just like a suburb at the same time, like we had a, cornfield growing up in our backyard my dad used to wow pay the farmer like 20 bucks at the beginning of the summer and then we just he could just go pick corn all summer nice which was fun yeah it was fun um and uh so, and what was eating like in your childhood like what were what were your memories of how like your friend like what was like feeding the kids like when your parents were feeding you guys as kids we all we ate pretty like i would say my parents style is based like very basic american um okay. uh, they like like broiled fish and grilled salmon grilled chicken salads baked potatoes a lot <laughs> like I, I didn't know steak was delicious till i was like 30 <laughs> <laughs> okay now who who like did the preparing of food at home like what did your uh, dad cook so this is actually kind of a, like kind of a funny story but I'm, so my mom did like the majority of it until one day, and this probably is, has a lot to do with why I cook now. So she was like working full time, taking care of us, also getting yeah. her doctorate from Harvard. And she was like cooking dinner for us. And then one day she just kind of, she was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this uh, is just too much. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> Um, it is a, it is a lot like you have to work you have to look after the kids you're going to it is it 100%, is 100 percent. i uh <laughs> i fully understand i don't know how she was doing all of it and i think that she probably made the right decision but what was cool about it was that it actually was a time that me and my dad took on a lot more and we were able to like we decided to like learn how to do some cooking yeah which was fun i like i just got fed and didn't really think much about food and that once she said I can't do this in this way anymore. We we had to start helping out a lot more. Okay, so like, so it kind of shifted to you and your dad. Would you more or less make kind of like the similar stuff your mom was making? Or I remember my dad got this. It was a book called Twenty Minute Menus. Nice. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we specifically like this is a thing that I feel like a dish that to this day I remember. It was like a fusilli with tuna and. He'd cook the pasta and uh, chop up all the veggies, and I would make the dressing yeah. for it. And okay. that was like a meal we made at least once a week. And we just did that a lot. It was really, it was great to like, it was what a great 
thing to for her to have done for us to like say like okay now you're in charge you have to cook now yeah yeah great and what and what was it were most of the meals like home prepared or did you guys like order food from other places every now and then <laughs> depending on the time of year we we definitely get like takeout pizza a lot or like uh-huh. weekends would be like going to you know getting sandwiches that kind of thing if we do like classic like american style chinese food fairly often <laughs> nice nice um <laughs> Yeah, like those poo-poo platters and all that. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, um, I'm i an immigrant here, but I still really enjoy Americanized Chinese food. <laughs> so that, <that's> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if my parents would enjoy it, but I personally liked it when I was growing up also. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, as a kid, it's like, you know, sweet, salty. It's got all the things that you're uh, you're hoping for. Right, exactly, exactly. Now, what, were everyone pretty much cohesive in what people wanted to eat or didn't want to eat? Or dear they... God, no. Um, oh no. Okay. Like, so what... you know my you know my sister. She's a uh, she's been like a vegetarian vegan for uh-huh. most of her life. So like when my parents, when my mom was like making, this is probably the reason that she quit cooking. Is she used to make chili for us we had this chart of like, I wouldn't eat meat and she wouldn't eat beans. And my dad wanted rice. Oh, and, wow. And we had this whole chart of like what everybody wanted. <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> sent her over the edge. She's like, I can't do this. So like, I think everybody had different preferences and we tried to like, they were trying to cater to those a little bit, obviously okay. with my sister and, and like being vegetarian, vegan, like more accommodating to those needs. Cause it's uh, mine were more preferential. Hers were like right. lifestyle and um, ethical choices. What about you? Like, did you have your own um, things you would eat or would not eat? Just didn't, I didn't like beans for a long time. Like string beans or like? No, no, like like bean beans, like dried beans. Okay. Um, I was like kind of picky, but also I'd pretty much eat like whatever. I didn't have, I wouldn't have like access to a super wide variety of of options until like later in life when I think as soon as I tasted food from other other cultures and other cuisines i like my mind like exploded and i was like i want to (laughs) be i want to i want to try everything indian i remember the first time i tried indian food i like i was just blown away it's like oh my god this flavor is (laughs) incredible i love this i want this is all i want yeah 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 okay so so i guess like um it was like very typical kind of like american salt and pepper flavoring kind of yes very much that, that type of profile of flavors um and obviously natural flavors like i'm sure the corn was very sweet that came from the neighbor yeah for sure um yeah our tomatoes were amazing that kind of stuff right right exactly would you would you guys eat together as a family or would you more or less like assemble your meal and you go to your room and eat it uh we always ate together that's like that's definitely like a memory i have is like we ate together every single night and and cleaned which was like that's wow. like a staple of my childhood is like wow. everybody we all eat together and then everybody has their own job cleaning up and not until that's done do we get to move on to the next portion of our day oh nice nice now were there um what, what was the structure was there any typical structure of a meal was there like a rice a carbohydrate you know like yeah for sure it was like meat carbohydrate vegetable uh-huh. Like in the form of a salad, I I assume, or sometimes salad or like steamed oh. broccoli or family's Irish, so a lot of like over steamed vegetables. What about like a dessert? Like is that is that a, was that a thing in the family? 
Yeah, we'd have dessert fairly often, and uh, especially during the summer, I would say my mom would choose to just have ice cream for dinner <laughs> fairly often. <laughs> okay. If she was going to have dinner, she's like, I'd rather just have ice cream. If I'm going to have like, she's got a lot of like beliefs about what's healthy or not healthy, and a lot of it's related to. Okay. Uh, if she believes that they put weight on you, and a lot of them come from like her family's right. beliefs, so it's okay. How rooted in science they are, I don't know, but um, right. You know, I, I, and this is my thinking, just having like um, spoken to a lot of people. I wonder if it's some of it, um, at least in here in the U.S. in our culture, um, kind of gender makes a difference in how you think about food and whether or not it's you know high calorie or low calorie. Um, you know, sometimes I think, is there like a gender dimension to, to kind of how people, you know, how women eat in this country? And also, I think for sure. Uh, it's, yeah, it's an interesting question, too, because of like, how you eat, but then like, like, how are just body image, image stuff placed on you, and then you bring sort of get some of those ideas for themselves about like, how do you now change the way you eat to fit right. the body image that are, that are expected of me? I think it's less with men like that. I mean, there definitely is like body image dimensions around food with men, but I feel like for women, it's talked about talked about a lot more. Yeah, no, that's that's a whole separate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you say your mom had all these beliefs of what was healthy or not healthy. Did you have like training, or le- did you learn about these things? Like, did you have lessons for you personally about like what's healthy or not healthy? Like when I was a kid or later on? Um, just like while you, when you were living at home, eating with mom and dad and your sister. Yeah, I would say I was pretty overweight as a kid. Okay. And they would like, my mom would take me to to like the doctor to try to like bring it down. Okay. And they had me on like a like super calorie restrictive diet and using that like food okay. pyramid. And in retrospect, that did not help me at all it Mm. that old school food pyramid you know Mm -hmm. you can have this many cups of rice you can have this much vegetables like quarter cup of right nuts like it's it's just that's not me i don't like eat like that or think like that or have the like attention span to measure stuff in that way i just want to like eat things and it's interesting because that didn't work for me at all until later when I like just yeah. started eating more variety that um, I was, you know, my body changed in, in ways that felt healthier. No, I, I actually think about this a lot because, um, you know, obviously um, here we go to nutritionists to try to improve our diets and, you know, they'll prescribe, you know, like, as you're saying, like certain calories or like, you know, a lot of it is rooted in like the science of nutrition. And I guess, you know, I, I always wonder like how, how it helps people. Does it help people at all? It's interesting to hear from your experience. It didn't seem to, to make you feel healthier. Yeah. It's weird. And I've tried, like I've tried throughout my life, I've tried different like diets and different things. What I've generally found is that um, the extreme versions of anything don't stick, but other ones I definitely noticed like super positive benefits like i've done keto the way that i felt while doing it was uh, incredible like i had less clarity of thought and um yeah i felt sort of my body felt stronger and uh, sort of cleaner but it's wildly unsustainable you can do it for if you want to lose a bunch of weight uh, (laughs) 
temporarily, it's fantastic. But right. if right. Like, you're so, looking like, for a lifestyle of eating, <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't gonna work out for you. If you, right. if you like to eat a cookie once in a while. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, no, I, I see what you're saying. You know, going back to kind of like, you know, learning about healthy eating in your while you're growing up, was that stressful to deal with? Like, to have to, you know, constantly be put on these diets or like ways of eating to help you manage your health? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we can go into the like, I'm sure the psychology of it was uh, tough too, but like, how do I describe this? It was like, a lot of pressure to like look a certain way mm. but then but then like the things you're surrounded with and the ways you're eating yeah and what is available doesn't support like long-term right. uh long-term good be because i feel like the most successful ways of eating that keep you healthy throughout your entire life have to also be very satisfying because you can't have Right. you can't sustain something that you don't enjoy right and and what what kind of life is it if you're just like just eating to <laughs> right. for nutrition and not enjoying any of your meals like yeah and and food is pleasure right like it food should be pleasurable you know as we as we go through our lives now did you ever eat ice cream for dinner oh yeah all the time <laughs> Okay. <laughs> did you have like a a, fa a favorite f uh, type of ice cream or flavor <laughs> uh yeah i've always been into like stoner flavors like what's a stoner uh, flavor uh i would describe that as like sweet and salty and uh-huh okay and and creamy anything that's like a whole wild mix of like different stuff i love those got it cool very very cool when or how did you tell us about how you came to want to cook as a living like what was that so i went to school in new orleans for college yeah and that's definitely like a food city rich delicious amazing oh my God. there's different kinds of food like the vietnamese food in new orleans is like uh -huh. unbelievably good because there's like huge vietnamese population there wow yeah uh, but i just started cooking like just to feed myself and then i had a whole world uh the music industry that i was in before cooking i used to produce music festivals and and that kind of thing yeah and what i realized sort of this is the way that i describe it is that i keep i'd always be walking by the catering tent jealous of how they got to spend their day uh -huh. and it made me realize i should not be doing what i'm doing because even though i liked music and i liked the industry i didn't like how i spent my day and to realize that like chopping sauteing cooking like i can do that all day every day and be very very happy yeah i sort of any young person that i talk to now i think to myself like don't just think about what you want to do with your life also think about how do you want to spend your days like do you like do you like your tasks do you like like whatever you do with your life you got to enjoy try to enjoy it every minute of it so so did you have formal training or you just kind of started working yeah i went back to school i, I went to the culinary school in new york to the french culinary institute which is nice. now the international culinary center so i went there and then got a job out of culinary school at like a little boutique um, prepared foods place in Williamsburg okay. called Radish. And then was there about a year, then moved on to Union Market where I was doing like, trying to take that like boutique-y mindset, uh, like a sort of mass production. So running a commissary that made the food for four different stores. Okay, cool. And what, was that, was that a, maybe this is on TV where like, 
<laughs> where like people like getting into the cooking profession say it's like really hard. Like, do you have any opinions about that or experience about that? Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> but I couldn't do anything else. You know, I'm exhausted all the time, but I can't honestly, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Nothing else totally makes sense. I think because I'd already had like a little bit of a career before I started cooking, or I was a little bit older than people that were just starting out in culinary school. And for whatever reason, like I got really lucky to be in a class with people that are all kind of career changing. For whatever reason, everybody took it like super seriously in a very like grown up way um, that I was like supported and surrounded by people that like also really were like challenging themselves to be great and yeah. were also doing it for the first time and weren't like coming up. You know, I think if you come up in restaurants like, you know, right. prep cook, line cook, whatever, and then try to work up that way, it's a very different experience than I had, which got it i never had to do that like getting yelled at by a chef i mean that's what i see on like the the tv shows on netflix <laughs> it's uh, yeah that, <laughs> i w- i am fighting against that culture as quickly and as, <laughs> as with as much as i can because i i don't understand it i don't think it makes anyone cook better <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yelling at somebody never gets the best work out of them but yeah it, but it's still like long hours i have never had a job that I'm still doing 10, 11 hours, 12 hours a day. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah, it's tough. It goes by like super fast and I really love it. So what do you, what do you, let's say, what, what is the most, what is the most difficult and what is like the most rewarding part of what you do? The cooking and feeding people part is the most rewarding. The management is the the hardest part. Like, like managing managing people because it's both incredible and I get to meet all these amazing people and learn from them next to people and get very close in that way but then at the same time it is stressful and if you everybody's got bringing something else everybody's bringing their whole life to their day and um if somebody calls off or if somebody doesn't feel like working that day if you got to do write up Mm -hmm. that's just my least favorite part of it the reason i love cooking is because if something gets burned you gotta do it again it's like if i burn these onions it's not the onions fault i just I just yeah. did it. Now I got to, now I got to fix it. It's not, um, I kind of love that about cooking. You don't really have to talk about the mistakes that much. You just, you just fix it and then try to figure out how not to do it again. Now, is there like a favorite, um, type of food you like making or, or are you more of a generalist? I'm a little bit of a generalist, but I do love, uh, Mexican food. That's like my favorite to cook. So it's like the exact opposite of how I got trained in culinary school. Like in culinary school, it's like everything has to be a perfect dice. And then you have to like, how what order you put everything in the pan matters you gotta cook your onions and then deglaze and then and do all these very very specific steps yeah well it's very it's very it's very french you know the french are very french very precise about what to do yeah and then i went and like learned these like mexican food recipes and it's like same process basically like a braise is a braise but they'll throw everything in a blender mix it all up, cover some meat and throw it in the oven. And it's just as tasty, if not better than taking all this time, making these perfect dices. And I loved, it was fun to learn the rules and then learn this other style that teaches you how and when to break the rules you learn. How how did you learn to make Mexican food? Was it just through your jobs? Yeah. just uh, surrounded in teams that were generally especially at union market though like most of the team was all uh from mexico and 
my sous chef taught me a ton of different stuff. Nice. No, I love Mexican food. I, I wish I could spend some time learning that. I mean, it's, it's such a great cuisine. How, so you, you talked about how like you ate as a child and then you kind of like, you know, did different types of nutrition kind of directed types of eating. And as you grew, as you left and grew up, you told us you tasted a lot of different types of food. So how, how did your eating evolve over the years? That process was just like every time I tried something new, it just opened a whole world to me. There's no greater thing than like tasting something new. If you're a chef, sometimes that doesn't happen that often. So it's really great when um, you try to have these new experiences. Also over the years, how I eat, I want to experience everything. I don't really go on. I, I don't really have like diet. I kind of follow like that Michael Pollan approach, which is like, you know, just eat food and not too much processed, try to eat a lot of vegetables, you know, listen to your body when it tells you you need a salad. Now, has your, um, has your, nutri- has your beliefs around healthy eating changed? Um, Very much so. I'm like, I grew up thinking that like fats were not healthy. And now I believe that fats are one of the best things you can put in your body. Is it, is there like a lot of, you know, you know, ways to talk about fats, obviously that type of information is based on science. Like is your, beliefs now kind of shifted away from scientific thinking about food or, you know, like, is it more kind of like a cultural way of thinking about food? I would say I go more on cultural, like most, but like my own culture, it's really hard to describe because um, I come where I come from. And then my wife's family are both have very different ways of eating. And both of us have accepted and rejected all the different parts that we were told growing up about what you're supposed to do. In my wife's family, you like have to finish everything on your plate. And I know that that is sort of, I know that's a common experience among, uh, yes. for a lot of families. I definitely would not say that to my, to my kids at this point, it'd be like, you know, just eat whatever you want and eat until you're full. Yeah. And please, and please don't ask me for a snack later. So I wonder like, um, because now you're a parent, you know, both you and Yuri are parents now, like, are there any like ideas of nutrition you're trying to impart on the kids? We are very conscious of how we talk to our kids about, we don't like to use the word healthy or unhealthy. Um, that is wow. funny because they've been using that words, that word a lot saying the like, kids? Oh, is this health? Yeah. They've been like, Oh, is this healthy? Is this not healthy? Really? And I'm not totally sure where they're getting it from because that's so interesting. We've been really conscious to say like, you should eat the most important thing that you can do in it at any meal is just to get all your colors. That's like our, that's like our simple way of describing how they should eat. Yeah. They're like, if they're only eating a bagel rather than being like, Oh, you have to eat that. The, the fruits and veggies, those are healthy. We say like you, a meal isn't done until you get all your, until you've had all your colors. Cause each color is good for your body in different ways. Nice. Now, now just, you know, for the listeners, why, why is it important to not say healthy or no? Cause everybody does it. I, because what we're hoping for is we hope that they'll be able to enjoy food in a way where they're not concerned about mm. things being healthy or unhealthy. We want them to be able to say like, eat all the things that are, that are around just, if you, I think if you get too concerned about what is healthy or not healthy, it takes some of the joy away from eating. And we're hoping, I guess, provide them the the base to know that to feed your body takes, and it's variety comes first and healthy comes second. So like nothing's unhealthy in moderation. 
you know, if you drink a can of Coke, that's not going to kill you. But if you're drinking like a can of Coke, you know, every other hour, <laughs> that's not good. for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. Yeah. And for like, for me, that's like, I don't yeah. really mess with sodas too much. I just like, I prefer my sugar based calories to come uh, in like cookie form. But right. once in a while, but once in a while, like, man, a little bit of soda tastes really good. Or even uh, cookies, like a few cookies aren't going to kill you but if you're eating like a whole box of cookies not that's yeah totally and a cookie comes with like fat and grains and eggs like there's things in it that even though it's a more sweeter food that's fantastic because within that thing there's things that they're especially like my kids like their body needs their body a cookie is great for a four-year-old because they're just going 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 they need that energy but as long as it's balanced out with you know fruits veggies now, as, as someone that kind of cooks for a living, and, and I'm kind of curious if you have any comments about, like, any thoughts about kind of like American food culture when it comes to, you know, have a joyful, healthy relationship with food? Do you have any thoughts about American food culture in general? So when you say, like, American culture, I, I sort of think of a couple different things. Like, I, I look at my, I look at Yuri's culture, and she's, she is as American as anyone. Mm-hmm. Her family is as American as any, anyone they come from Korea, but I, they are an American family. Um, my family is like a white Irish family that eats in certain ways. I think it's tricky to, to use the word. I think it's tricky to use the word American mm-hmm. because I feel as though maybe mm-hmm. that question leading towards like, mm-hmm. like a white American version of eating. And I, and I both am hesitant to say, yeah. to call it American culture because I don't want to dismiss people from everywhere that are here and yeah. eating in ways that are reflective of where they came from. And so I'm sort of wary to say American culture, but I will but I will say like you go to the middle of the country and all you see is Applebee's and it's sort of an interesting thing because everybody's kind of eating the same and nobody looks that healthy and nobody probably feels that healthy. And a lot of these concerns on how you eat and how you eat or you're eating, um, yeah, you can't see my air quotes <laughs> on a podcast, um, <laughs> whether or not you're eating, uh, what you think of as healthy is actually giving your body all the things it needs and also make you feel happy and satisfied with food. American eating is so is so varied. It's, it's like hard to describe what it is uh, exactly. We're lacking a food. We're we're both like lacking in a food culture at all, but also so lucky to have kinds of food that wouldn't exist in any other world if it weren't yeah. for all the contributions of every kind of person that has come right. here. It's like, you know, it's interesting because the last person I interviewed, she was from the country of Colombia, and she said that when she came to the U.S., she was exposed to so many different types of food that she's never been able to eat living back at home in Colombia. And that, you know, like in America, there's just so many different food cultures here that she she felt very fortunate to be able to eat so many different things here in the US. So so yeah, no, you're you know, you're you're onto something that we kind of think of our food culture as more it's a you know it's way more way more diverse than just to say American food culture. Um, yeah, I, I can't think. I don't know that how many other places yeah. are like lucky enough to be able to go to be able to you know I, we live in Chicago and there's every yeah. kind of person here and we can go and find great 
yeah food yeah. from uh, like all these different different places and what a lucky thing i don't know that that or other countries that have a stronger food oh. culture like italy or spain or or whatever have those people have a strong identity with the kind of ways that they eat specific flavors and dishes and things that right. we miss out on on having but at the same time we also get to be a like a to have our friend. eyes open up to like all these different other ways of eating. Yeah, yeah. Um, like a, we're like a very multicultural um, nation with a lot of different types of food. But it's interesting because getting back to kind of like the food pyramid that you mentioned earlier, which has now become the food plate. Um, but, you know, I often wonder, like, is it broad enough to be inclusive of all these different food cultures in the U.S.? I don't know. And I also kind of wonder, like, it's like millions of years of evolution say that like my family is Italian and Irish. Do I respond better to certain yeah. differently than my wife's might? Like, I know, you know, right. I come from a people that eat more dairy and uh, right. I know in a lot of Asian cultures or a lot of Asian people like struggle with dairy. <clears throat> and, and that doesn't to... stop either one of us from eating ice cream. But, <laughs> but the, the funny thing is there's always like a glass of milk, like next to the food plate or the food pyramid. Um, yeah, that, that's why I say it's like, it's so tricky to talk about the food, the American food plate. If that's, if there's a glass of milk there, that's, it's not inclusive of, of a bunch of people that might be from other places where that glass of milk is yeah. disastrous. Well, I think that that glass of milk is more having to do with the dairy industry and the lobbying that they do. <laughs> I mean, that's like, yeah. the far, that's like the farm bill discussion. <laughs> I would say if I have any critiques about American food culture, that's all based on policies and yeah. silly things i know i have a pretty strong belief from like people that i agree with on most things politically like soda taxes i know are, are right. something a lot of people that i agree with many things on also are on board with right. but the soda tax i think is like is crazy because we also subsidize corn taxing people that are drinking right. corn syrup but then we're also taking that money and we're giving it to the corn farmer to, to like make more corn and make it cheaper so that we can sell the Coke for cheaper so we can add, so we can add tax on to tax. on. It's like, it's all interconnected and none of it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Oh no. I mean, that's uh you know, that's, that's, it's a very complicated, you know, relationship between the, the industry and the, you know, Washington and all the lobbyists. I mean, for sure. Do you have any, like any food shows or food books? interesting to you that you know we could share with the listeners i would say my favorite like restaurant restaurant wise my favorite experience is always like some little place that somebody brings me to that is like meaningful for them and those kind of experiences are the way that food brings people together for mm. me is like mm. the most important thing and so like any cookbook is fantastic if it's if someone is cooking for their friends and their family. Do you have a cookbook that you like to use frequently? Uh, there's a book called Salad for President. Salad for Prison. Okay. No, for President. Uh, oh, for President. Yeah, Salad for President. I don't remember the author's name. It's like a cookbook that also collaborates with artists that like to cook. So it's like all these different artists um, sharing recipes they enjoy. They're like Okay. sculptors or painters or whatever but there's so many little little things that you learn from that book that I don't think you'd get from a like a chef's cookbook because 
these people kind of come from a different perspective and put things together in ways that a chef actually might not. So it's, I feel like every cookbook I read is like, you're like, hey, I've seen this before. This is a variation on this. This is a variation on that. This is one of the first things where you really are like, oh my God, I never would have thought of this. And I really, really like it. Is there a food reality TV show or, or um, movie that you like? I just watched The Menu. Have you seen that? <laughs> I have actually. You obviously understand food because I feel like if you're, if you're yeah. into food and you're in the industry at all, that movie is a comedy. Right. And if you're right. not, it's horrific. Like there's an element of truth in whatever they're making fun of. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but in terms of the reality stuff, I don't, the competitions I struggle with a little bit because I don't really think of food as a competition. However, I think if I asked, if I was asked to get on Chopped, I might go. And also like, you know, being in Chicago, everyone's like, oh, have you watched The Bear? Have you watched The Bear? Enjoy that. It, it's not super comforting after a long day of working mm. around food to watch other people feel stressed about food. Um, <laughs> right like you want you don't want to come home and watch more more food no. food work environments <laughs> yeah it's not a wine it's not, not exactly a wind down what about uh like a favorite place or two or three to eat in chicago for people who might be in the chicago area chicago has it yeah it has so much good food the mexican food here is unbelievably more tasty than new york and the oh and the oh the korean food here is also like i think a little better only because i feel like it's a reflection on like the rent in new york i'm gonna have to send you the name of some of these some of these places because i yeah, can't yeah, remember yeah. Off the top yeah, of my no. head so what i oh, so that i guess um as we're wrapping up if there's anything you can think of to kind of send to me like please do Yeah, time time is important to cooking. Time really, I mean, obviously we're busy and we want to make things on the fly, but like there's something to be said about time and making food that are more rich and unique. You know, I'm thinking of things like, you know, fermentation, you know, when you're making something like gumbo, gumbo or even a lot of the stuff in French cooking, you know, you spend so much time chopping and sauteing and reducing, and, you know, all that takes so much time. It, Okay. It, uh, you know that book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat? Uh, I saw the documentary, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I think she needs to add time to that. Uh, I think she needs to do another book called Time. It's, uh, all about, like, yeah. it's all about like fermentation or pickling or aging. It's such an important thing to flavor. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of things like making miso. You know, that, that stuff takes so yeah. much time to make. You know, you have to like ferment the miso beans for a very, really long time. 